welcome in to an edition of the Back and Forth Podcast, a episode after vacation, essentially. Um, you know. Those those are the, those 10, 11 days flew by pretty fast, I think. I think so. I think they, they flew by pretty pretty quick. Um, almost kind of felt like, you know, they weren't even there for that matter. Yeah. But we are back and back on a normal recording schedule per usual, three episodes this week. Probably Monday, Wednesday, Friday for those episodes. And today we've got the summer league that just wrapped up yesterday. And we also have the Chiefs preview to ra- round out our AFC, AFC West. West. Yeah, we got to start rounding it up. So you'll you'll definitely be getting more football. But this, us being based in Las Vegas, the summer league just wrapping up. Uh, me and Matt, you know, have a lot of thoughts about the summer league that, you know, we want to we want to get to today. Yeah, and, and I think it's it's worth noting for sure that, you know, some, I guess, things, if you will, that go on during Summer League that we've noticed over the past few years. Um, yeah. Definitely want to bring to light. But while we're in the on the topic of Summer League, let's bring it right up. The Portland Trailblazers won the Summer League this year. And that's um, that's how you know it's the Summer League. <laughs> I the, Blazers, mean, the Blazers and the Knicks are in the championship game. You know, hey, at least Portland can say they've got a ring. Yeah, they're they're giving out they're giving out summer league rings now. Um, the the Blazers have like dominated the summer league. They've won like four. Since I've started paying attention to it, I'm pretty sure they've won like four summer league championships, which has not translated to the regular season at all. But maybe this is the year they get something. Um, you know, they got a lot of good young guys there, and uh, uh, they got a good summer league coaching staff. Obviously, they're consistently competing for uh, championships there. So, um. As it is with, you know, it, it really doesn't mean anything, but as if, you know, it is with any team, it's it's really exciting because, you know, that's the future of your team, and those are a lot of young guys there. So when when they're able to accomplish something like that, uh, definitely does give a little bit of hope into that team's future. and um, um, Or it kind of builds up that specific player's trade value. I think that's what the Knicks were kind of hoping to accomplish with uh, Quentin Grimes and um, McBride over there. Um, they were hoping to boost their trade value a little bit to – go out and get a Donovan Mitchell or something. Um, even though they didn't win it, I think them making the championship game and how well those two guys played definitely um, boost their trade value a lot. So uh, we'll see We'll see what happens with those two guys if they're still wearing Nick uniforms at the beginning of next season. But, yeah, I mean, def- definitely encouraging for, for Portland, um, you know, to know that you have a little bit of a future after Dame and after all these guys. You've got some good young young players coming in. Yeah, and I think, I mean... Portland, I think Joey hit it, on, you know, hit it on the head. They've been kind of dominating the summer league for a handful of years now. Um, it, you know, we've kind of grown accustomed to seeing Portland in or around this championship game, and really, this is even a new format for the summer league this year, where they just took the t- uh, top two teams in the standings. I don't like it. And they're like, okay, we're going to play the championship game. Um, it's different from years past, where it was a traditional bracket format. Um, you, you know, you started. Maybe the summer league started, you know, on a Thursday. You might play pool, um, you know, games within your pool for a week to six, you know, five, six, seven days, whatever it may have been. Used to be three, three season games, and then the tournament. Yeah, and then you know you would have the latter half of the week be you know tournament games, and then you know you go from quarter semis and so on and so forth. But this this time they played four games. Every team played four, and then at the end of those four games, they took the top two teams and played a championship game and then everybody else played a fifth game that really was kind of meaningless yeah. um which i think kind of brings me up to the the point that 
I think we we really took note of this year, probably more so than in years past. And it was, I guess you could just call it the load management aspect of summer in league. In the summer league, yeah, um, which is nuts. I mean, we were there yesterday, and every notable player you could have thought of that you may have wanted to go see at the summer league, if they weren't in the championship game, they the team had shut them down. I think the most notable player, besides you, take out that Knicks Blazers game that we saw was. Aaron Neesmith yeah. on the Pacers, former Celtic on the Pacers, was, I think, the most notable player we saw. Um, but, yeah, Matt's right, and um, it's something we kind of talked about yesterday. It might sound a little ridiculous, but look at the summer league ticket prices and then tell me how ridiculous it sounds. I mean, people um, are paying upwards of $60, $70 a day to yeah, go see these guys. 50, 50 to $70 a day. Um, this is the summer league. It's a development league. Um there's a reason why a lot of these players are here because one, they're rookies and they're trying to, you got to earn your spot and you got to play. And some of these guys are second, third year players that really did not perform well their previous year and they need a little more development or it's guys trying to make a roster spot. Like it's a development league. And for the most part, I get, I get OKC resting Chet the last game. Cause like Matt said, those are meaningless games. I get that. But Prior hand, like like Paulo only playing um, two games. Chet Holgram, I think, rested the last three games. I think um, uh, Jabari Smith rested the last two games or three games. Like it's it's kind of ridiculous. And I know you go back a few years, the Lakers rested Lonzo Ball. Zion Williamson literally played half a half a game. He played the first and second quarter, and then they shut him down for the rest of the summer league. Like people are paying money to come see these players. Like they should be playing. Like. It doesn't make a lot of sense if this was a G League game and you've assigned, you know, your top pick to the G League because they're not performing well and then you start resting them. Like, that doesn't make sense. Like, you have to – these guys have to play a little bit. And um, it's it's a five-game slate. Like, we're not asking these players to play, you know, 110, 115%. But uh, in, in, with, with, any, with any game or with any kind of training session, there's a risk of injury. And it's a five-game slate. Like, I'm sitting here asking them to play four games out of that five games. Um, I get the last game resting them because, like I said, it's a, a lot of the times it's a meaningless game unless they're in the championship game. But they should at least be playing those four games. Like, it's it's ridiculous that the number one pick got shut down after two games. And two years ago, Zion Williamson gets shut down after half a quarter or half a game, excuse me. He played the first and second quarter. Like, um, like again, it's a development league. These guys should be playing. Uh, they don't need to be diving for loose balls and, you know, like I said, going 110, 115% or whatever, but um, they should be out there playing nothing less. And even if you want to give them minutes restriction, like, that's fine. But, like, again, the, Thomas and Mac had 15,000 people there on the July 10th when I went, and it was not because of, you know, um, Matt Ryan on the Celtics. Like, people weren't there to see Matt Ryan. They were there to see Chet Holgram. They were there to see Jabari Smith, and they were see, there to see the number one pick. Like, they weren't there to see anyone else. They were there to see those three guys because they were all playing that day. So, and again, they all played that day, so I'll hold them up to that. But past that, you know, they are pretty much shut down. And then people were still flooding into the Thomas and Mac expecting to see these guys, um, and they weren't playing them. I remember last year uh, very vividly that um, when Kay Cunningham was the number one pick playing with the Pistons, uh, the Pistons game was up next. Thomas and Mac was filling up. Pistons come out, Kay Cunningham's in street clothes, everyone leaves. Yeah. Like, that's like, that just shows you that who, who they're there to see. Like, the second 
They saw the second everyone in the arena saw Kate Cunningham come out in street clothes. I'm not kidding you. Everyone left the building, including me. Yeah. So, um, yeah, people are paying, like Matt said, $50, $60, $70. These guys should be playing with the, excuse my voice crack. Um, They should be playing with the exception of the last game if you're not in the championship game. Like, these guys, like, play these guys. Well, let me put this in perspective. So, the Lakers are scheduled to play a preseason game, two preseason games here in Las Vegas. One against the Phoenix Suns, and I believe the other against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Right. Just for... Jokes and curiosity. I pulled up the ticket prices for that game against the Phoenix Sun. That'll have a lot of star power. That'll have Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Braun, AD. DeAndre Ayton. And most will probably play at least part of the game. Yeah, preseason basketball, like, they play, like, two and a half quarters. And it costs just as much to go to that game that it did for Summer League. Right. And if I'm a consumer, I'm looking at that going, I would rather go to the Phoenix Sun-Laker game knowing that I'm going to see all the star power at least for a half. Maybe I don't get them for the full game, but I know they're not just going to come out in street clothes right away and just not play. You know, they're going to play a little bit. They're going to put on a little bit of a show for sure. And I, I think it's better, you know, the, the summer league argument is, well, you get maybe eight or nine games in a day. Well, that's great. But as a consumer, you're probably going to watch maybe half of that. Like, you know, if it's a good game, you'll probably stay for a full game. And in that time frame, you're probably getting maybe three or four full games in summer league. But really, if you look at those three or four games, you may only see one or two guys that are really notable uh, out of the entire summer league. And then the rest are just guys that are fighting for a roster spot. Yeah, they're, they're fighting to be the 12th man on a roster or whatever. Whereas you go to a, a preseason game like this one uh, with the Lakers and the Suns, you know, you're going to see good players, star players in this league on both sides of the basketball for at least 24 of the 48 minutes, maybe more. Um, it is the first of a back-to-back in Vegas, so maybe they'll play a little bit more in this game. So, I mean, if I'm, like I said, a consumer that's, like, debating, do I want to spend 70 bucks to go watch the Summer League where maybe a lot of those guys are going to be sitting or they're gonna their teams are going to shut them down, or do I want to take that same 70 bucks and I want to go watch, you know, possibly watch LeBron for a half and maybe he lights it up or maybe or just watch LeBron <laughs> walk through the tunnel like I think yeah I think that might have been every year when the summer league happens like LeBron is always in the highlights and like for good reason like him just even walking through the tunnel and sitting on the bench like uh gets people's attention mm-hmm. so I mean to that and like yesterday I, I wasn't going to stay for the last game. I ended up, I didn't, but I looked at the schedule. I was like, okay, it's Denver and Utah. And I, I kind of wanted to see Christian Brown out of Kansas. I was like, I haven't seen him play in person. You know, it'd be cool. He, he plays on Denver. Same thing. He came, Denver came out. Christian was in street clothes and I left. I was like, I, I don't care who else is on Denver. Like, and he's like the, he was like the 26th pick. Wasn't yeah. He? He's not like a high draft pick by any means. Yeah. He was towards the, you know, the mid to later portion of the first round. But, and maybe a lot of it has to do with the format. And this is maybe where summer league has to kind of take a look at this. Like, I hope they look at Sunday and just go, maybe this format wasn't right. Like maybe, and probably even Saturday too. Cause a lot of those teams were playing their fifth game on that Saturday too. If they weren't playing on Sunday, right? Like look at those two days and look at who played. I think if you're the summer league, you're like, well, if we're already charging 50 to 70 bucks, depending on the ticket price and fees and all that, if we're already charging that much, you know, for this type of format, 
shouldn't we at least make it more competitive and more appealing to our fans if they're going to be paying that much? You know, where you know you might see the guys like maybe a Chet Holmgren playing on the final day of summer league, or maybe you know a Christian Brown or whoever the case may be. Um, you know, the fact of the matter is, is and, and this is not probably going to sit well with a lot of, especially the old timers. Um, fans don't go to summer league to watch their team, quote unquote, play. Like they might watch bits and pieces of it. I probably saw, I don't know, a total of 10 minutes of the Clippers summer league. And that was it. Yeah. Like I, I wasn't like actively rooting, you know, for the Clippers to, you know, win summer league. Like it'd have been cool, but like realistically you're going to summer league to like watch individual players. Like that's really what summer league is for. It's not. I didn't even stay for the full Celtics game. Yeah, it's not even like I watched, a competitive thing. I watched the half, and then I saw how close the Magic game was with Sacramento, and I was like, let's go watch that. And then I caught the final like overtime of that game, which was pretty exciting. That was, that was, that was, that's probably the best game Summer League had this year, yeah. was that Magic and uh, Kings game. But again, like, and this will, guess, I, get, I guess, excuse me, transfer into... Our next point with Summer League, which is, well, you have these guys shut down, but now you have these guys that you look at and you go, why did you come out of school to start with? Like, did you really think this was your year? I think um, baseball, correct me if I'm wrong, baseball allows you to get drafted and then continue to go to school, doesn't correct. it? Correct, yeah. You can get drafted out of high school, you can go to college, and what's different, I guess, about baseball hockey has this a little bit too you don't go to the majors right away like you're playing probably double a or even single a to start and then you each year even you know maybe even every half a year you're moving up leagues so maybe you go from a single a to a double a to a triple a to finally the big leagues i think um the nba should allow the nba and ncaa should allow players to return even if they get drafted to return to school um, and, and I think Donovan Williams, who we've talked about a lot on this podcast, which is kind of a reminder of that. Um, I hate to break it to the guy. I don't know if he knows yet. I don't think he knows based off of his Instagram, but I mean, he, he's going to find God, out I here in a couple of days. I hope he does. Uh, he's not going to make the Nets team. And I'm not saying that I like, out of, out of spite and trying to be like an asshole or anything, but it's the honest truth. He is not making the Nets. His best game was a nine-point performance in a meaningless, the last meaningless game of Summer League where um, he played pretty much garbage time. Like, he's not making the team. And he's going to either be playing in the G League or he's going to be playing overseas. That's his options right now. Um, and uh, you look at, like, and he, he, that quote, I don't know if Matt has it on him or anything. I can probably find um, it. Where he said that if he were to return to school, he would be a second-round, first-round pick, but he chose to... He chose ultimately to um, stay in the draft because he could, quote-unquote, choose where he could go, even though he was going to be the ninth, tenth man in the rotation on a summer league team. Um, it didn't make a lot of sense, and everyone kind of replying to it was kind of like, this This absolutely makes no sense at all. Um, I don't know if Matt will be able to find it. Uh, but, yeah, that, that was that was a quote he kind of came on and said, which really did not make a lot of sense. And um, me and Matt were just kind of talking that I, we feel like agents take a – advantage of that um and uh, agents take advantage of a lot of a lot of young players um that you can kind of see throughout summer league you can you can tell they're not ready um like on the raptors yesterday ron harper ron harper jr was that his name yeah on the raptors he was not nba ready 
Like even in that summer league performance, he was not NBA ready. Uh, you look at, do you have the quote? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll let you go ahead and say the quote. Yeah, so this came from Mike Romala. He said, Donovan Williams said he could have been a second round pick, but opted to go undrafted and sign with Brooklyn. Quote, having to choose a preferred team over hearing my name called for the rest of my career, that was a tough decision, but I feel confident I made the right one. End quote. Preferred team? Yeah. Like, let, let, let's, 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 let's kind of dissect that quote a little bit. So if Donovan Williams, the draft ends, and his first call's from the Magic, he's going to be like, nah, I'm not going to the Magic. What if that phone call doesn't ring? Like, that's, what if that's the only team that gave you a phone call? What if that phone doesn't ring again? Exactly. I guarantee you 95, not even 90, 99% of every undrafted player, the first phone call they get, whether it's NFL, NBA, whatever, the first phone call they get, that's the team they're going to. Probably. And that makes sense because you're not going to sit there and decline that because also it's either you don't get another phone call or second teams start finding out about that. And they're like, this kid just wants to, you know, go where he wants to like what he doesn't care about, you know, earning a spot on a team. He just wants to go wherever he wants to go. So um, that didn't make a whole lot of sense there. I mean, picking to go undrafted versus getting drafted and getting guaranteed contract already did not make a whole lot of sense. But that kind of was the the ice on the cake there. On that quote, but um, yeah, we feel like a lot of agents, you know, take advantage of a lot of young players. And you look at Donovan Williams, um, and we've talked about him before. This is a 13 points per game player, a guy who came off the bench in the Mountain West. Uh, he were to come back to UNLV, he would have been the number one scoring option, um, and he no doubtably would have made first team on Mountain West if he were to return to school. And he chose to go to the NBA, um, and uh, you, you kind of see how how that experiment is going to work out for this year. Um, so it really, to me does not make a whole lot of sense to go through that process. Now he's going to have to work his way up. He's going to have to perform well in G League. He's going to be back here in Vegas next year for the Summer League. He's going to, again, have to earn a roster spot. And we'll see where he's at next year versus returning to school, getting everything paid for, still having opportunity to get paid through the NIL, and then getting a guaranteed contract of at least four years um, returning. So, and, and then you also look at other players, like I think uh, Sharif Cooper is a, a good example um, from former uh, Auburn point guard. Uh, he's averaging right now, and I don't know if you saw that graphic where he was averaging one points or 1.7 points and three assists a game in the summer league. Um, and this is another, a very, a very talented young player, I think, that only did one year at Auburn um, and definitely could have returned to school for a second year. So um, you kind of see it all throughout the summer league. You see a lot of guys who kind of rushed into the process and, uh, and um, I'm, I'm not saying, I don't, I don't know if paying for it is the right wording, but um, kind of understood seeing that or at least waking people up to the idea that they should have returned to school or maybe even themselves, I don't know. But at least through the audience, you can kind of tell, like, okay, yeah, this guy's not NBA ready. He's going to have a tough road ahead of him. Like, Keegan Murray, I think through the summer league, Keegan Murray on um, Sacramento was the most NBA-ready player I've seen throughout the entire summer league. Um, and, and most of the top five picks looked NBA-ready. But, you know, there was a lot of other guys, the guys I've listed, and a bunch of other players, I think, that got drafted um, that, that weren't NBA-ready. NBA yeah, and I think to to... to Touch on Donovan Williams. I mean, look, this it comes down to common sense at this point. Like, if you're Donovan Williams, you're probably looking at some draft boards. If you're not even seeing Bryce Hamilton's name on the draft board, and he was arguably the number one option for UNLV when it came to scoring, 
what makes it think what makes you think you're getting drafted like i mean that's it's kind of a little bit of a or, shot at donovan williams but even it, look at julian strother yeah julian, julian julian was a a is younger than him mm-hmm. played at a better school not in a better conference but at least through the non-conference slate played better competition had an ncaa tournament run he had the nationals he was supposed to be a, a late first round or early second round he was projected pick. to get drafted and he returned to school right what, but, again, what makes you think you're gonna? It's gonna be a cakewalk for you. Like you're gonna show up in Brooklyn, and you know they're gonna like yeah. the, that 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 summer league team Brooklyn had was pretty stacked. Like that's a team that was led by Cam Thomas, who was a very talented player. Like a lot of people argued shouldn't even been in the summer league. Yeah. So like, what makes you think you're gonna you're gonna earn your spot there? Like you're simply a guy they needed to fill out the roster. Well, you had Julian Strather come back to school, and you had Drew Timmy. Like. You know, although I, well, Drew Timmy's like 40. I was going to say, I always joke about Drew Timmy. I was like, Drew Timmy's been in school for probably as long as Jordan McCabe has. Like, they probably started about the same time. No, nah, I think Timmy's been there a little longer. McCabe, McCabe is like, what, 27, 28? Yeah, Timmy, Timmy, looks, Timmy, Timmy looks like he's about 45. Yeah, Timmy's about 45. So I don't think he'll yeah. have much of, he don't have, he won't have a long career in the NBA. Yeah. Um, but all jokes aside, like, they decided to come back to school. And especially with Julian, when I saw he came back to school, my initial reaction was he's a lottery pick next year. Yeah. Because he was, he's more NBA ready now than Donovan Williams is. Like if Julian Strother never came back to school, he said, I want to go to the draft. He would be more NBA ready than Donovan Williams because his game, I think, is more complete than Donovan Williams. Now, when you look at it, like we said, Bryce Hamilton didn't get drafted. He was the he was arguably number one number one when it came to the scoring option for UNLV. Donovan Williams was the second best option. If you're Donovan Williams, you have to understand that Bryce is going to leave regardless. Like he's either he's the senior. There's about ninety nine point nine percent chance he's leaving. On a rare whim, he may come back if he really wants to improve his draft stock and take you know a fifth year of eligibility or whatever. But probably not. Like there's a good good chance Bryce is leaving. And now you're going to be the number one option on, with UNLV. Because if you look at UNLV right now, their number one option is, as sad as it is, Jordan McCabe Dear with God. six points a game. Like, Dear that's who UNLV's leading score is probably going to be. Either that or maybe Keyshawn Gilbert if he gets a lot of fast break layups. Maybe. but Dear Lord. Yeah. <laughs> um, but if you're Don Williams, you have to kind of take all that into consideration. Like, I can come back to UNLV. I can sign a pretty good NIL deal, so at least I can make some money during school. And I'm going to be my team's number one scoring option. I'm likely going to be all Mountain, or you know, first team all Mountain West. And I'm going to get a lot of eyeballs on me, particularly because UNLV is playing in some notable tournaments this year. I mean, they're going to Southern California to play some in some notable tournaments. Um, they're even going up to Canada to play some exhibition games. So like, you're getting noticed even outside of the u.s if you just stay in school one more year and donovan williams was still fairly young it's not like this guy was in his junior year and it you know people are like yeah you know the, the clock's kind of ticking on you like He's only 20 i think yeah he could have came back for one more year you know had a great year maybe average 15 16 a game maybe even 17 a game who knows or maybe even more i mean bryce averaged i think over 20 a game he could have averaged i think williams could have got to seven easily he could have became a 17 and and five kind of player. Yeah, and I'm not saying that's necessarily going to get him drafted, but it might get more eyeballs on him, and maybe he he's in that later portion of the second round. Um, I think it gets him, like, the difference between Donovan and, and Bryce, Bryce is very one-dimensional. Donovan, you know, is a good 3-and-D player, and I think that's why he, he got on a summer league team. 
Um, you know, you look at his length and like he has he has a bigger potential and bigger upside than I think than Bryce Hamilton. Yeah. Um, so that's why. But going going to the point I said about the agent, um, you know, a lot of a lot of players will sit there because the the deadline it's is like, like May thirtieth, where you have to pick between. Yeah, it's either like May thirtieth or June first, one of the two. Some, yeah, something like that, where you got to pick between going back to school or staying in the right. draft. What do you think the answer is going to be if you ask your agent? Go to the draft because they're going to get paid. They're going to get paid. So who you should be asking your your family, even your college coaches. Like your college coaches will have some honesty with you. I'm not a, the biggest Coach K fan. One thing I will always give Coach K is when Zion said he was thinking about returning to Duke. Zion was, or excuse me, Coach K was like, "What are you doing? Go to the NBA. You're going to be the number one pick. Like, why are you turning?" And what happened with Zion this year? He just signed a what a five year, he signed 100, 190 million dollar extension. Yep. Like, we don't know what happened if he returned to Duke. Like, his situation is very different from Donovan Williams because Zion's going to be a number one pick. Like, you better be going to the NBA. Right. Um, versus Donovan Williams, who's going to be playing in Croatia. So um, that's the difference between the two. But when a lot of these guys who are on the fence of, of getting drafted or, or second-round players, you should not be asking your agent because, one, you probably just met this guy or, or, or woman um, a month ago, right. two months ago. Um, and they're not getting paid if you return back to school. Yeah. So they're going to give you some BS, or at least most of them are going to give you some BS that how they can get you on an NBA roster by a certain date or a plan they can lay out where you're going to be playing in the NBA in, in whatever amount of time. Right. Um, so one, listen to the feedback you get from coaches, general managers, who are literally going to be making the selection and they, I think they know what they're talking about. They're going to be the ones making the picks. So listen to them. Listen to your previous coaches. And obviously listen to your family. Um, and then if you still decide you want to stay in the draft, then that's ultimately your decision. And that's a decision you're making. Um, but the last person you should be getting that from is your agent. Right. Um, it's not like you have a Rich Paul kind of agent like LeBron does. I'm sure you know LeBron listens to Rich Paul because that's somebody he's known for 20-plus years and that's somebody he can trust. But, I mean... Not to give life advice here, but I don't think you can really trust a guy you just met a month ago and um, is going to tell you to stay in the draft so they can keep collecting checks from you. Yeah, and I think a lot of that even happened with Julian. Like, I think you looked at Julian Strother. He probably went through a lot of the same, you know, scenarios and talked to the same different, you know, types of people where, you know, he's talking to his family. He's talking to probably Mark Feud at Gonzaga. He's probably talking to some of the general managers. And a lot of them are probably saying this, a lot of the same thing. You can come back to school one more year. Your game is pretty close. Like, I mean, I look at Julian, and maybe the only thing I would hope that he has a little bit more of is strength. Like, he's, yeah. he's just not all that strong and maybe a little bit better on defense. His offensive game is solid. His offensive game could play in the league right now. His defense is okay. It probably could get by in the league, but there's definitely room for improvement. And if he builds a little bit more muscle... Yeah, Julian Strother's easily a lottery pick. He might even be a top 10 or a top 5 pick, depending on how good of a season he has at Gonzaga this year. I won't go that. I, I think lottery pick is is realistic. Top top 5 for a junior would be, like, you'd have to have a monster year, which I'm not saying you can't do, but you'd have to have, like, a insane, like, you'd have to have, like, a Buddy Heald yeah. kind of kind of season. Like, that's how Buddy Heald was able. And Buddy Heald still went sixth with that insane year he had at Oklahoma. So you'd have to have, like, a I think a Buddy Heald kind of, or Chris Dunn kind of year. Yeah. Hopefully uh, not end up like Chris Dunn. But. Yeah, hopefully not. But, yeah, no, I, I think a lot of it is, and really we've talked about this before, 
there's a lot more incentive to come back to school now than there ever has been. You have the NIL availability to where you can come back, you can sign an NIL deal, which allows you to make money off your name, image, and likeness while still playing college basketball or college football or whatever college sport it is. Right. And he w- Donovan Williams would be coming back to UNLV in the city of Las Vegas where you know you can easily get a good NIL deal. Like Las Vegas is becoming a very marketable city and a city where you know a lot of companies want to reach out to you know especially people like Donovan Williams um, and really a lot of people even I think on the Run and Rebels program just because of where the program is like it's been kind of teetering around mediocrity mediocrity for you know decades it feels like but here you know this, this is a program that wants to be good this is a program that wants to be on the rise. I think it's very marketable to companies that want to buy into whether it's Donovan Williams or whoever else it is on the team. And then they can kind of be like, well, you know, we, we bought in before all the hype, before all the rise kind of deal. So I don't know. It's just my thing. Like if I was in Donovan Williams, shoes, I would be more inclined to come back to school to maybe increase my draft stock to where I could get drafted maybe late first round, early second round. And while I'm in school, still making, you know, pretty good money because, I mean, the NIL deals are going up, it seems like, by the day. So, I don't know. But, again, people have their own differences and choose different yeah. things. But. Yeah, I mean, if, if that's what he feels is uh, the best decision for him, then we, I mean, I guess we can't sit here all the time and and uh, and hate on that decision. But, um, I mean, we we still have, I guess we, we know we'll always have our opinion on it. Of course. Um, and we don't. Uh, we'll see what happens with him. Yeah, you know, we're not we're not rooting for his failure or anything. One team we um, might be rooting for failure though is the Chiefs for sure. But I mean, we do wish the best of Donovan Williams, and we yes. do hope he makes a, an NBA roster. But for sure, um, just don't see it happening right now. Yeah, maybe not. Maybe next year. Um, maybe a year after. <laughs> if, if if playing in Croatia counts, yes, there you go. He'll, he'll make a roster. How about that? Yeah. Uh, but let's move on to the Chiefs preview. Uh, we'll dive right into their schedule just because it's the thing that caught my attention the most when it came to the Chiefs. Man, it feels like the NFL got one back on the Chiefs. It, this was no favors done for Kansas City at all. Yeah, uh, well, we already got the we already got the Raiders and Chargers going neck and neck in this division. So yeah, let's let's run through this Chiefs schedule. So they open up on the road to Arizona. Loss. Yep. Then their home opener is the Chargers. I think I gave them that one. Yeah, I think that I think uh, I, they don't all have to match up. This is just a prediction. So win. Yeah, I think I have them splitting with the Chargers and Raiders. Uh, they'll be way too stressful. So like, not every game is going to match up here. I'm going to let you know, but this is just a a base prediction around where I think they'll be. So this is one I can see them winning. So yep. one and one. Yep. On the road to the Colts. One and two. Yep. On the road to the Buccaneers. Two and two, Ooh. they still won. They're not going to lose. They're not going to lose every game and every good team. Like they're going to steal a couple. Um, they're going to they're going to beat the Buccaneers. Yeah, I'll go two and two. I don't know. If it for me, they're either going to win the Colts or the Bucks. One of the two. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'll go two and two. Home for the Raiders. Three and two. Yep. Home for the Bills. Three and three. Yep. On the road to the 49ers. Jesus Christ, this is a tough schedule. Yeah. Three and four. Yep. At home for the Titans. Four and four. Yep. At home for the Jags. Five and four. There's an easy one, finally. There you go. On the road to the Chargers. Five and five. Yep. 
hosting the LA Rams. Six and five. Ooh, I'll go five and six. They're going to be at home at Arrowhead. Yeah. That's going to be the 11th game of the year. That's going to be around November, I'm assuming. Is that around November? Uh, it is. It's November 27th. Yeah. Oh, think, so right around Thanksgiving. It's going to be cold. It's going to be loud. Those those LA yeah. boys are not going to be ready for that one. Six and five. They're not going to be able to. Like that'll be their. I just like I, I like SoFi Stadium atmosphere is nothing compared to Arrowhead or any kind of most NFL stadiums. It's going to be a, a tough road game. It's that is like actual home field advantage. Tough weather, loud fans. It's they're yeah. going to win that one six I and know. five. I, I I like the Rams' offensive weapons more. That's probably the only reason I give them that game. That's a game though. It's one of those you could talk me into either way. Yeah. Um, so I, for right now I'll go five and six. Yeah, <laughs> on the road to the Bengals. Six and six. Yep, five and seven. On the road to the Broncos. This this team is uh, picked to finish over the Raiders and the the Chargers. Still, like this team is projected yep. to win the divisions. Like you're looking uh, at the schedule and you look at the pieces they have lost. Yep, seven and six. Yeah, I'll give them that game. Broncos are going to be that good. Um, Texans on the road. Eight and six. Yep. So you have them eight and six. I've got them seven, seven and seven. Seven and seven. Seven Yep. Uh, at home for Seattle. Nine and six. They're doing them a favor by the end schedule here, so they make sure they can sneak into the playoffs. Nine at, and six. At home for Denver. Ten. Yeah, ten, 11, ten and six. Ten and six. Ten and six. I have them at nine and seven. Finale is in Vegas against the Raiders. Ten and seven. I got a, you have them 10 and 7. I have them 9 and 8. So we got, we have Denver 8 and 9, Kansas City 10 and 7, Raiders 12 and 5, Chargers 13 and 4. Pretty much, yeah. That is a tough division. I mean, yeah. That, that is, is a tough. really tough division. Like, and, and Denver can be definitely be better than 8 and 9 if they're in an easier division, I think. I um, mean, we could be talking about this division. Each team could get to 10 wins in this division. But I could honest, I see a scenario, honest truth. I do see a scenario where um, Kansas City misses the playoffs and Denver takes that spot. Wow. Not ruling that out because you you look at how tough that schedule is. If someone goes down for Kansas City, especially on the offensive side of the ball, yeah, they're in trouble. Um, they are absolutely in trouble. And um, you're, you're going to see how big of a loss Tyreek Hill was. Um, Travis Kelsey, I'm not doubting him, great option, but Juju Smith-Schuster is now going to have to take on the load of being a number one receiving option on a team that's been a Super Bowl contender for the past three, four years, um, and with a great quarterback throwing you the ball. Like, I'm not sold Juju Smith-Schuster can be that can be that option for them. I'm just not sold on it. I think Juju's a great player, but I, I view him as a number two option on teams. Um, I think if... Tyreek was obviously still there, and you put Juju at the two. That's a great matchup. I like that. Um, but Juju Smith-Schuster being the number one option, I do not like that. So um, we'll see how it works out for Kansas City. You look at the, how they've been on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, they've obviously gotten better, um, but I still don't think they're they're at where they can. Um, we're, we're losing Tyreek Hill really doesn't mean that much to them where they can be like, oh, well, our defense is still pretty good. Like, we could still win games to our defense. Like, I don't think their defense wins many games for them this year. So you want to hear what the Chiefs receiving core looks like? I'm afraid. Didn't they lose Demarcus Robinson too, or is he still there? Nope, they lost Demarcus Robinson. So as of right now... Fantasy legend. He'll have like two games every year where he just goes nuts. Mm-hmm. 
They have uh, on lining up on the left side, uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling from the Packers. Yeah, I know he is. There's a reason I didn't say anything though. Okay, just making sure. <laughs> you kind of looked at me a little bit. I was like, uh, I don't know if Joey knows who that is, but yes, the guy, the Packers, like third best option last year. He was like number. He was eighty three, right? Yeah. yeah, I know he is. McCole Hardman and Juju. And and if you want to throw Travis Kelsey in there for yeah. fun and games, why not? That's yeah, tough. So you really got one. You have one consistent, reliable person in that, and that's Travis Kelsey, pretty much. So you're going to have to start running the ball a little bit. Like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is going to have to start getting some touches, which I think is a solid back. I don't think he's a terrible running back. Like he he was great at LSU. I think he had a really good rookie year. Um, they just didn't run the ball a whole lot. Like, But when they gave him the ball, like he was making plays. So you're going to have to start running the ball a little bit more to take the, the pressure off of Patrick Mahomes. And I think through the trade deadline, um, if a receiver becomes – I'm surprised they didn't go out and get Amari Cooper. With how cheap Amari Cooper was, like – the Browns got him for a fifth and sixth round pick, right? Mm-hmm. Like, why didn't why didn't why didn't Kansas City go on and get Amari Cooper? Like, you would have Amari Cooper, Juju Smith Schuster. Like, that'd be a, a solid. Like, I could sit here and say, okay, they're they're going to be fine next year. Um, so I think one thing they have to address by the trade deadline this year is uh, go on and get a receiver. Like, you can't hold on and be stingy with your draft picks. Like, look, the Rams threw their draft picks away. They got a Super Bowl out of it. I mean, Kansas City's already obviously already gotten a Super Bowl, but um, you can't be afraid to, to throw some draft picks at teams to go out and get a player. So I think that's one thing they have to look at this offseason. If there is a a good receiver out there, throw out some draft picks and go get them. To like, be fair, this running back room's not bad, by the way, for Kansas City. Was Clyde Edwards? Clyde Edwards-Alaire and then Ronald Jones. Uh, uh, I think I still like Ronald. I still excuse me. I still like Clyde Edwards-Alaire getting the majority of the touches. But I like Ronald Jones as a backup, like to throw teams off a little bit, like have him go out there, run a screenplay, or uh, give him a few touches. Or again, if something happens to Clyde, that's a that's a pretty solid backup option. But I like, I really do like Clyde Edwards-Helaire, and I think, um, yeah, he's gonna he should be getting a majority of the touches on offense this year, especially with that receiving room you just read off to me. Yeah. So they got to get him involved and take some pressure off Mahomes, of but. At some point, you're going to need another good receiver to win you a Super Bowl. Like, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is not going to win you a Super Bowl. So, um, yeah, if that means trading a third or fourth-round pick to go out and get a, a guy that's fairly cheap, I think they should go out and do it. Yeah. Or Julio Jones is a free agent. Like, go out, and get, go out and get Julio Jones. Yeah, I mean, isn't... I'm trying to think. Julio Jones is going to have to sit a year, isn't he? He's what? Is, is Julio Jones... The one that sits he is sitting a year for no, that's um Calvin Ridley. That's Calvin right. Ridley. I keep yeah, they I, probably because they both played on Atlanta. I yeah. was, um, but yeah, no, Calvin Ridley will be sitting a year. Um, that's right. Julio Jones is still a, re- a free agent, isn't he? Yes, he is. There's yeah. a rumor he might go to Dallas, but if I'm Julio Jones, I'm picking between Dallas and Kansas City. I'm going to Kansas City, so I don't know what he's gonna do. But uh, yeah, if I'm if I'm Kansas City, you know, it doesn't hurt going to get him. Right, it does not hurt at all. Well, give you, Julio Jones a chance. And you look at the the draft pick uh, scenario that you brought up, the Raiders followed that to a T. They said, we don't need draft picks if we're going to go get Devontae Adams. Yeah. Like, we're, re- we're going to go get a guy that's ready right now. If he wants the player and he's going to sign an extension and the Packers are willing to trade him, that is a no-brainer. You want to get Devontae Adams. That is the best receiver in football right now. Um, so that's the, the approach a lot of teams should have. Like, if, if there's someone you can go out there and get, He's already developed and he's already a superstar. So why risk drafting somebody that may turn out good for you or may not 
um, or he just may not be on the same level that certain player is that you're trying to go out and get. Like, again, the, the Rams did it. They went out and traded draft picks to go out and get Matthew Stafford. Like, he won them a Super Bowl. They also did the same thing to get a bunch of other guys on that roster. So that's kind of what you have to do um, and if you're Kansas City right now. And uh, that receiver room is looking really thin. So whether it's a free agent and – like the Julio Jones experience, my experience or uh, experiment might make a little more sense because he's a free agent and the impressive uh, resume he does have. But if that doesn't work out, then I think you can't be afraid to be stingy with your draft picks to go out and get somebody. Yeah, and really, final question, I guess for I'll say the AFC West as a whole. Does the winner of the AFC West division make the Super Bowl? I think they come out of the AFC for sure. That's, so, that's a that's a really tough division. A lot of these teams have extremely tough schedules. As long as they stay healthy, I think they come out of the AFC. Win the Super Bowl, I don't know yet. Well, I don't know about win. I think just making the Super Bowl. Yeah, I think they come. I think whoever wins this division comes out of the AFC. I like Buffalo, but man, I think but Buffalo's we, a fun team. But we see the same thing every year with yeah. Buffalo. Like they're 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 starting to become a broken it, record. It, it depends if. If if Buffalo has a really strong year, we'll, we'll get to their prediction. But let's just say if they go fifteen and two, and Vegas has to play an AFC Championship game in Buffalo, yeah, that changes it a little bit. Or the Chargers even have to play an AFC Championship. Like the only team I would really trust playing an AFC Championship game in Buffalo would be Kansas City because they're used to playing in that weather, and um, Mahomes is a lot less likely to choke like Derek Carr, and it wouldn't be. Justin Herbert, I don't think he would choke, but that'd be his like real his first playoff run, his first AFC championship on the road in a hostile environment. Like I don't like his odds there. So um, it all depends on if they can clinch home field advantage, and if they don't, who would they be playing on the road? Good like one. if they're if they're playing Cincinnati on the road, I think they most teams in that division will be fine with Cincinnati. Like the Raiders almost beat Cincinnati on the road last year. Yeah, if they're playing Tennessee on the road, they'll be fine. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think of other teams that could come out of the AFC. That I might be missing. Um, Cleveland, you play Cleveland on the road. I think you'll be okay. So um, the, the only real place I'm worried about, to be honest with you, would be Buffalo. Yeah. Or New England, maybe. Um, but I don't think New England's good enough to really get home field advantage. So if you get New England, you most likely will be playing them at home. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. But yeah, I think the AFC West has the best chance to put a team from their division in the Super Bowl. I think that's pretty obvious. I mean, you have four teams literally in contention for, like, you have four teams that all realistically can make the playoffs, and I don't think that's really in any other division. Maybe yeah. maybe the the North, Browns, Steelers, Ravens, Bengals. Yeah. Maybe the AFC North's pretty tough, but I don't think any of those teams are Super Bowl contenders. Like, you look at the AFC West, you have two or three teams in there that are Super Bowl contenders. I don't think you can say the same about the AFC North. Like, all four of those teams could make the playoffs, but they're not all four Super Bowl contenders. Like, I don't think the Ravens are Super Bowl contenders this year. The Browns aren't. The Steelers aren't. Oh, the Bengals. The Bengals, yeah. Excuse me. The Bengals are Super Bowl contenders, but. I always worry, though, about teams that made the Super yeah. Bowl in the following year. We'll see how they We'll see how they look this year. And they did lose their tight end, I think, in free agency. Yeah. So. I don't know. I, I would say the AFC North, I mean, we'll obviously get to their the team's predictions in, in that division you know, in future episodes, but if you wanted to point to a division, at least in my eyes, that has the most question marks around it, it's the AFC North. Because, like, for instance, 
the the Deshaun Watson, you know, suspension hearing or consequence hearing, whatever you want to call it, the result of that could easily change the com- entire complexion of the division. Um, Baltimore is always decent, but I mean, I don't. It always feels like there's something missing with Baltimore. The Steelers are going to be dealing with either Mitchell Trubisky or a rookie QB. Um, so I don't think there's going to be much noise going on there. Tomlin always finds a way to get a not a losing record. Yeah, they'll so. be like they'll be like a nine and eight type of team. Um, Can't count them out, relatively speaking. Um, and then the Bengals, on paper, they look like they should be the favorite for this division. But again, you always have to kind of be a little bit leery and cautious about teams that just made a Super Bowl appearance going into the next year. So, I don't know. We'll see what it looks like. Um, but I do agree. I think the AFC West division winner or whoever um, represents the AFC in the Super Bowl will be from the AFC West. Uh, I mean, you have the Raiders and the Chargers that are both, are both. I mean, they could be one and two in offensive productivity in the league this year. Like, the one, because the Raiders, that's really the only way they're going to win games is they're going to have to outscore opponents. It's a lot like what I said about Dallas last year. The way Dallas was going to win games is they were just going to have to outscore their opponent. Raiders might be in the similar spot to where they just have, they're just going to have to outscore everybody. And, I mean, we went through it. The Chargers, I mean, they're right there as far as offensive weapons and really even defensive weapons. I mean, we could be talking about the Chargers and Raiders both putting up, on average, 30-plus points a game. Yeah. So very entertaining division. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Um, definitely excited for football season. Yes, let's get to football. We're excited season. for fantasy football, but I know we're gonna we, that draft's coming up probably like next month, right? Next month, yeah, yeah. Towards uh, we usually do it. It might be September. We usually do it late August, early a September. week before the season starts because, um, just to because player injuries and stuff like right. people do it really early and it's kind of people are doing them now. Yeah, that's a little premature because there's always an injury that happens in preseason and you're like, fuck. So right. you don't want that happening. So we always do it a week before the season. Uh, our, but we do, we have a little, our league's we have fun in our league. Our we league's do, entertaining. Yeah, we do the draft lottery. So um, this year we actually do not know who will get the number one pick because last year we, Dom, our, our good friend Dom did not win a single game during the 2020 season. So we had to give him. That was the consolation prize. We're like, Yeah, we're like, okay, we'll give him the first pick, but we'll do a lottery picks two through 10. So this year full-on lottery um yeah. i'll end up getting the 10th pick like i've been doing pretty much every year so yeah i yeah. mean we'll see dom the dom case is funny because like it got to a point where like there's no way he can actually be this bad like he, you're telling me he can't stumble into a win during the course of the season like just one where you like you just nope dom didn't do it the entire regular season and uh, like we said last year or beginning of last year, he got the number one pick and um, the trades are always pretty funny in our, in our uh, league. Like some people, like some of the trades that come across, I'm like, okay, um, there's a reason these are fantasy owners and not, or yeah, fantasy owners and GMs and not GMs of actual teams because, or like Dom for, I know we pick on Dom a lot, but yeah. I think it was it last year that he took a kicker in like the third round. He took a defense in the third round. Oh, uh, it was like yeah, sorry, it was like a kicker or a defense. I'm like he took a defense. I'm like, buddy, that's like that should be like your last two picks or something. Like, what are you doing getting a defense now? Like, you don't like you're gonna pass up on, I don't know, Julio Jones for the Chiefs defense. Like, come on now, like that's he always he always finds a way to 
to surprise us every yes. year. And um, I don't know. Maybe maybe if we get really bored enough, we'll we'll put an episode together of our of our draft in our league because oh, yeah. it always we'll, you'll get a fantasy football special from us. Yeah, it's always pretty entertaining for sure. But we'll be back uh, on Wednesday with plenty more. We will have a brand new division, a new team to pick for um, our football preview that'll continue. And probably some other news and headlines that come across between now and Wednesday. Until then, enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you all for tuning in. I've been your host, Stat Matt, a.k.a. Matt Raftery. Joined alongside, as always, by my co-host, Joey G. As a friendly reminder, you can follow the show on Twitter, at BackForthPod. Instagram is at BackForthPodcast. And, of course, you can find the Back and Forth Podcast wherever you get your audio podcast. We will talk to you all on Wednesday. Wednesday.